Well, amen, amen. Good to be saved? It is good to be saved, isn't it? I'm so glad that I'm saved, aren't you? I knew you guys would be glad that I was saved. It is just, guys, it is just always good to be saved. You know what? um, I was telling somebody one time, not long ago, it's nice to be saved. You know what's better than, I know you're not going to believe this, you know what's better than being saved? Being ruined. Now, you know the difference between being saved and being ruined? I, I was in a church I, some years ago. I couldn't tell you where it was. Uh, and this guy said, I got saved on a Sunday night. He was, you know, he's probably in his 20s or 30s. He said, I got saved on Sunday night. And he said, you know what I did Monday night? He said, I did what I always do Monday night. He said, I went to the bar with the guys who had a beer. And he said, I'm sitting at this bar. And he said, here's this guy next to me telling me all these obscene jokes that he always told me. But I'm thinking, I don't want to hear this. He said, there's two guys here a couple bar stools away, and they're taking God's name in vain every time, like they always did. But he said, I'm thinking, I, I don't want to hear this. And he said, I, I look at this beer in my hand. I'm thinking, that doesn't belong here, in case you didn't know. You're okay. There's a new doctrine out there, but we don't buy that one. But anyway, he said, he said I'm, I'm looking at this beer. He goes, that shouldn't be here. Now, nobody gave him a list when he got saved saying, you can't listen to those jokes, you can't say that word, and you can't drink beer. You know what happened? He said, he got saved. No, he got ruined. Ruined is when you just can't go back. You just don't fit. If you try to go back, you just don't fit. That's not my message, but you can leave now because you had one. Um, I want you to turn to, uh, to 2 Peter chapter 3. I'm not preaching out of that. I just want to see if it's in your version. And guys, I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm going to agree with your wife today. You are wrong. Yes. Now, don't say happy. Don't, don't be happy, lady, because you're going to find out that you're wrong, too. Uh, you know, you, uh, did, you ever, did you ever think you're going to agree with somebody? You talk to them, and just nothing clicks. You know, I, um, uh, I, I know it's Chinese music. or You ever go to a Chinese restaurant? I was going to a Chinese restaurant one time. Frank Sinatra was singing. I thought, oh, there's my Chinese favorite. But um, um, did you ever notice that the music kind of sounds like a piano falling down steps? Ping, kong, kong, you know, just like. <clears throat> now think about this. Is there going to be music in heaven? What if it's like that? Really, what if, I mean, what if it's like that? You know, I had a guy say one time, he goes, well, when we get to heaven, it's not going to be Handel's Messiah. And I'm thinking, well, I hope it's not, you know, some of the stuff you're listening to. But here's the thing, you know, like, like when you got saved, now there's probably somebody here, this is how I was when I got saved, uh, I was a lost Roman Catholic and a drunk, I was telling them this morning, Sunday school, I was a Catholic and a drunk and a thief and a Democrat <clears throat> and just all those ungodly things you can be. And, um, and if, if you'd have told me when I was lost that I was going to go to church every Sunday, I'd have probably laughed. If you'd have told me I was going to be there Sunday morning and Sunday evening, I'd have said something like, you're crazy. And if you'd have said I was going to, I was going to be like in church, because I've been, you know, like uh, sometimes in church maybe 10 days in a row, which is amazing because I've only got seven messages. But, um, and, and if you'd have told me I was going to be in church like for a whole week, you wouldn't even want to record what I would have responded with. All right? You say, what happened? Different, isn't it? It's different. And what it is, guys, is, is, you know, the world doesn't think the same. Uh, I was listening to, uh, 
Uh, there was a football game yesterday. Uh, a team from Michigan lost. Where is he? Yeah, Matt. Yeah, yeah they lost. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> but they, they had this guy. Uh, I, I can't remember his name. He's a player. He plays for uh, Michigan State. He's a very, very, very good runner. Very good. And, um, and, and I was watching a game that he was in. Not, it wasn't yesterday. It was, it was um, last week when they actually won one. But um, they were talking about this guy. And they interviewed him. And all he talked about was how he had wanted to be famous. I want to be a great football player. I want to play college ball. I want to go play pro. Oh, I want to get a a Heisman trophy. And I'm thinking, you know, it's like the guy is the center of his own universe. Is that not true? And maybe that's how you were before you got saved. It should change after that, should it not? And what I'm saying is that that when, like, like some of the stuff that means something to us, it didn't mean anything to us when we were lost. Because we've changed. Uh, you can call it the standards are different. Uh, whatever, whatever you want to say. But we're going to go to heaven someday. And, and, and you know, I was talking with a guy um, over the phone who's a pastor this week. And he was talking to somebody about heaven. And they couldn't get it. Well, you know, you know did you ever hear me say this? Well, what's heaven going to be? Are we just going to sit on clouds and play harps? And I told a guy one time, I said, I don't know, but if we do, we're going to like it. But you know what the problem with heaven is? The problem with heaven is that it's so pure and it's so beyond our, our comprehension that before God lets us in, he's either got to change us or kill us. Because if we go in like this, it'll turn into Kenosha. Right? And so he's got he's to change us. Uh, and he's got to make us look at things different. And, and so he said, well, how, what do I say? And I, I, one of our young sons, when he was little, uh, he was asking me about heaven. I mean, what do you do when a little kid says, are there puppies? Are there toys? Ice cream? And I know he just said, well, I think they're all there. I don't care what you think. We don't have any scripture on any of it. So I said this. I, here's my, here was my response. I said, do you know how you feel like, how you feel when you get a brand new toy? He goes, yes. I said, that's how you're going to feel in heaven all the time. And that's the best I can do. Because it's going to be great, correct? But you know why, you know why if we think about it, like when you're thinking about heaven, you're not thinking about how great it's going to be. You're thinking about how great it's going to be to leave this place. Right? You know, I've often said, if you're a Christian, you're not praying for the Lord to come back, you will be by the time he gets here. Because he's going to end the party. And what I'm saying is that, that the way we look at stuff uh, and the way God may look at it is so different. Uh, again, our oldest son, uh, he was, uh, he was, you know, Kathy was the, uh, you know, we were on the road, and so Kathy homeschooled him. I tell people she was the teacher. I was the motivational therapist. <clears throat> she taught him. I made him want to learn. Some of it was self-defense, but anyway, uh, um, and he said this. Now, you know, he's like, he's young. He's very young, and he goes, he, he was having trouble with math, my son, and I and he says, why do I have to learn this? I'm never going to use it anyway. Did you, ever, did you ever say that? And today he's got a construction company and he, uh, uh, he has to do, and he's also working as a, uh, uh, a catastrophic insurance adjuster. So what is that? That's the guy that builds everything that the Antifa burnt down. But um, you know what he does? He uses math all the time. Now, what was the difference? When he was young, he saw no use for it. I mean, if you just said what's important, math would have never been on the, on the paper, right? 
but now he thinks differently. We say, the Bible says we see through a glass darkly. And, and so, guys, I hate to say this, but the, 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 the theme of this message is you're all wrong. Okay, I'll pray and we can go home. Well, I want to show you, Second, second uh, Peter, and I mean all of our concepts are, are pretty much wrong. And it says this in verse uh, chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, it says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Let's bow our heads and talk to the Lord. Father, I thank you now, God, for your goodness and your grace. Lord God, it is good to be saved, and it is good to be associated with you. You are God Almighty. I, I just, I cannot believe it, Lord, that you would save us, uh, and then you'd give us a chance to uh, give us a new life and a promise of a new body and, uh, and um, an opportunity to serve you, and then pay us when we get on the other side for the service. We thank you so much. God, this is a sanctuary today for these people because they have been in an absolute, crazy, insane world for six days. I'll guarantee you, God, every person sitting in here since last Sunday has viewed something going on in this country or this world and been astounded at how unbelievably stupid or insane or evil or wicked that it is. And so it's so good to come to a sanctuary on Sunday, God, to step through the door, leave that world out there, uh, and just get around this book. And God, these folks need something from this book, and they need something from you. And if they don't get it this morning, Lord, you know that I have the ability to not give it to them. I have the ability to be the obstruction to you and to them. So, <clears throat> God, for these folks' sake, would you please get Sam Gipp out of their way and out of your way and speak to the heart of your people, God, that you might be exalted and they might be edified and they being edified would then live to your glory. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Uh, I'm going to talk to you this morning about some things as the way we look at them. Uh, and as the way God looks at him. And I'll be honest with you, this is not one of my favorite verses. You say, well, man, don't you think about that? That a thousand years is like a day with God? Well, yeah, I know that. But don't you pray? You pray? Okay. Like, did you ever need something in a hurry? You know what you don't want God to say? I'll get around that tomorrow. Right? I, I, I'll be honest, people. I'll be honest. I'm flesh, clay, whatever you want. And, and, and sometimes when I'm praying, I'm just very frank with him. I say this. I said, you know, I'm asking him for something. And I say, now, now God, remember this. You're in eternity. I'm down here in time. I'm getting, you know, like, you know what I don't want this Christmas? The hula hoop I never got when I was eight. That's what I don't want. <laughs> I could just see it showing up under the tree and God saying, told you I'd give it to you. Oh, thanks. And, and, but, but the reason I say that is because really you have to think about it. Our view of time is not the same as God's. I'll bet you, you are as astounded as I am that we are standing here or sitting here today and it is November. Has this, has this year not gone by? I was talking to one of the guys uh, in, in, in a class a little while ago uh, and I, this happened in a church I was preaching in. The pastor, he said, pray for my wife. I said, okay. I said, why? He goes, well, she's depressed this week. Married you. Anyway, um, but I said, no, why? And he said, well, she's depressed because she's going to turn 40 this week. I said, oh. I said, tell her not to worry. I said, this week she'll turn 40, and then five years from now she'll turn 50. 
And then two years after that, she'll turn 60. And he looked at me like, can you not count? And I, I said, trust me, bud. I know there were 10 years between 30 and 40. I know there were, but there could not have been more than five years between 40 and 50. And there could not have been more than two years between 50 and 60. I don't even want to tell you where it is now. But you know how we get up every morning, we go, ah, oh, life is, uh, you know, life is my plum. And I'm going to get out there and just live. You know, I, said, I tell people, I said, my view of life today is it is a polished granite wall at a 45 degree angle. And today's goal is just to hook a fingernail <laughs> as I slide toward the abyss. And if I live to be 100, wouldn't that be a long time? One-tenth of a day. One-tenth of a day with our God. I mean, he just, it just, it isn't the same. I was telling somebody this week, I remember being in elementary school for those 10 years. And um, you know what I remember? All my teachers were old. And now as I look back, most of them weren't married. You know why? Because they were probably 21 years old, just out of college. But when you're six, they're old. Isn't that true? And guys, what I'm saying is that, you know, we look at time. I, I don't know if you were one of those people that was foolish last year. You know, everybody talked about 2020 like, well, don't worry, you know, it's bad, but it'll soon be over. And here's our problem. Is this not our problem? We're raised on Hollywood movies. I don't mean sex and violence and terrible, but... But isn't it like in a movie, uh, everything gets really bad and it looks like the, the end of the world and then at the end everything gets good? Life ain't a movie. And Americans thought 2020 was a movie and they know at the end of the movie everything gets good. So we, were, we thought, boy, 2021 will be better. Are you out of your mind? Do you think I'm a prophet if I tell you this? If we are still here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that 2022 will make 2020 like the good old days. Right. I mean, guys, I, you know, I think we ought to go back to 1950. I'd be glad to go back to 2019. Isn't that true? And so we look at this, and it's time. And here is God. He's up in heaven. And, and, a, and a thousand years goes by. And it's a day. Do you understand? We got like 7,000 years on this earth. I think my, I think my fifth grade teacher was like uh, three-fifths of the way through that. But... Um, but anyway, uh, we've got, we've got, we got 7,000 years of time with God that's a week. I never stop saying, oh man, I gotta, I gotta do that, but I, I got till next week. But with, that's 1,000 years on our calendar. And the reason I'm saying it is because sometimes, you know, we always say God's values and we think of God's values like being good and, uh, and being, doing right and, uh, and, and keeping the commandments, not to get to heaven because they're just, they're just good rules. But, um, but guys, sometimes we need to think about it the way God looks at it, and nothing, nothing with us is a big deal. He thinks, he thinks by the millenniums, we think by the days. Isn't that true? You've got, uh, let's say, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I, I, I told you, she taught, I didn't. Math. Four days, starting, starting today, four days till Thanksgiving. What if we said this? Well, guys, just think about it. Thanksgiving in just 4,000 years. That'd give you time to get the turkey done. <laughs> but no, we say it's just in four days. And four days is not very far from here, isn't it? 
That's how God looks at time. And we look at it like it's a, like every day is a major obstacle. Sometimes you ever just find that your daily goal, I'm serious, sometimes my daily goal, you know what it is? Get through today. (laughs) You say, why? Because then tomorrow comes and then I have a goal. What is it? Get through today. (laughs) And then I go to sleep and I wake up and I realize I'm behind the wheel of my car. But anyway, I, uh, and, and you know, every day it's get through today. And we're trying to make it through 24 hours at a time. And we have a God that, that a thousand years to him is like a day. And you need to look up there and think what's going on up there because we, don't we always qualify it by how, how things are here? Just like I told you. Our music, uh, compared to somebody else's music, I think, what do they get in, the, in, the, in the, the Chinese? They only got like five notes, and they're all bad. But anyway, um, uh, and, and you know, we have seven. I know that much about music. But it's a whole different standard, and God operates under a different standard. Uh, take a look at Isaiah chapter 48, which is, uh, don't think I'll preach too long. I'm just going to preach about a day. Isaiah chapter 48, and look what it says. Uh, Verse 13, Mine hand also hath laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand hath spanned the heavens. When I I call unto them, they stand up together. All right, now I wrote this down. I'm going to try to say this right. Do you know what a light year is? A light year is how far light cares. I think if you, uh, uh, in one second, moving at the speed of light, one second, you could go around the earth at the equator eight times if I remember that from from when I was in school. So that's pretty fast. So moving at that speed for one year, if you could go at the speed of light for one year, you would go five zillion. What I'm about to read is is next year's Washington budget. (laughs) Five zillion, 878 trillion, 625 billion, uh, 370 million miles. We call that a fur piece. And then they tell us something out there that's like 100 light years away. You're not gone there. But wouldn't you say that's a long distance? You know, we, uh, Kathy and I, we lived on a road for 33 years, and, and, and we drive. We like to drive. And I know when I came here, everybody said, oh, we're glad you don't have to fly so much. We like to drive. I fly. I fly just real close to the ground. And um, uh, we just do. We just like get on the road and head out. And, and uh, sometimes we drive by law, sometimes by grace. But, um, <laughs> but we have driven. Like one time we drove from, from Amarillo, Texas to uh, Rossville, Georgia in 25 hours. And just through the night, uh, just because it was a meeting that somebody had scheduled me in to be at that I didn't know. And, you know, like uh, we'll jump off, you know, and you got to go a couple thousand miles. We would do two years east Mississippi, two years west. And this is true even to this day. You know the green signs along the highway that says uh, the next city is 485 miles and the next one is 220 and the next one is... When those green signs, if we're headed for someplace, when it says 300 miles or less, we're there. In our mind, we're there. You say, oh no, it's 300 miles. Oh no, you're looking at people. We have done this. We go, we go 150 miles, 120 miles to have a picnic. We have driven 120 miles for a picnic and then drove back. You say, why? 
We're used to miles. And so when we only have 300 miles, it's like, oh man, we're there. And at 100 miles out, we just shut it off and coast in. <laughs> but some of you, you think, oh man, 300 miles, that's a long way. And really, when you drive and drive and drive, it's, it's just, you don't think that way. But I got to tell you something, like five zillion or million or trillion or whatever, I think that's a long way. And you know what God said? Now, I don't know what the universe is from one end to the other. But God said, I wanted to measure it one time. Do you ever watch a guy that, especially like a carpenter or, or a guy that works in land, and he has to measure something and he didn't bring anything? He doesn't have a tape measure. And he'll do one of two things. He'll, he'll go like this. He knows exactly what his stride is and he can pretty much measure it. Isn't that true? Or did you ever see a guy measure it with his hand? God did this for the universe, this universe that if you could get in a rocket and head for the edge of it, you wouldn't make it out of our solar system before you evaporated. And God says, uh, yeah, I measured it. <laughs> How big is the universe, God? Um, right there. He didn't have to do this. I probably just made a satanic symbol. I have no idea. I'm sorry, if you're watching this, honest, I'm not a member of whatever group you think I'm a member. You know, I, I, I don't want to do this because everybody says that's evil and wicked. So one time I wanted to say two and I couldn't do this, so I went like this and somebody put it on it, made a satanic, I just did it again. Made a, so now when I want to count to two, I go like this. When I count to three, I say, bring a finger here. <clears throat> but guys, it wasn't even two. What, how do they measure horses? Yeah. And I, what's a, does anybody know what a big horse is? I, meet, I, don't, I know you don't. I'm talking about calculation. 15 hands? 15 hands high? Is that a big one? You need two hands to measure a horse. God measures the entire universe like this. Now, let me ask you a question. Aren't you impressed with that? You know, I'm not into basketball. I did, uh, I did see it on the internet. I don't know if you noticed the other day. They said, what's the difference between LeBron James and Kyle Rittenhouse? Kyle Rittenhouse doesn't miss shots under pressure. But anyway, um, <laughs> and LeBron James spouted off some years ago. You know, he's, he was bad-mouthing Trump, and somebody told him to be quiet, and he says, well, you know, I'm a prominent person, and people care what I think. And somebody answered him back. He said, you throw a ball through a hoop, so does a trained seal. <laughs> and I had a really good thought. Why don't, we, why don't we replace the NBA with trained seals? No union, no strikes. They won't get on their knee at the, at the anthem, and you pay them with fish. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a basketball guy, but I'll tell you what I'm impressed with. Did you ever see a guy... Like they're down by one point and the guy does a full court shot and goes, that's impressive, is it not? Hockey, they do it. I mean, all the way down the ice, just before the buzzer goes off and somebody wins, right? That is impressive. Uh, you know, they say, that they, you know, they got GPS now and they can, they can, they, they don't have to need the, they don't need the north and south and they don't need a compass and they can, they can drop a bomb right where they wanted half a world away. But our God thinks like this. 
I mean, let me ask you a question. Um, you know what this is? This is not only the, this is not only the, the, the measure of the universe by God. This is how far I can run without hyperventilating. Okay? It used to be this. But really, guys, I mean, what if somebody said, could you run to that door only if you had a gun? I'd have to be motivated. I have been motivated at times. But if you told me to run, I'd just say, you know, I, I ran one time through, a, through an airport, and I got to my gate, and I was winded. And I just told the Lord, Lord, from now on, I'll miss the plane. I am not running through another airport. I, don't, I couldn't care less. But what, let me ask you this. You think you could run this far? Guys, you don't have to run to get this far. You don't, even have, you don't even have to move both feet. I just did it, right? That's how God looks at our universe, and, and we're so impressed by the size and the depth of the universe. Uh, Brother Jeff Williams, right there. I asked Jeff one time, we were, we were down, in, uh, down in New Zealand with him, and you know, up here we have the, the big dipper. Dipper, not gipper. Anyway, um, we have the Big Dipper, and down there they have the Southern Cross. And so I, I, I told Jeff, we were, we were going down to where he's going to be starting a new church, and I said, I want to see the Southern Cross at night. He says, man, we're going to be out away from the lights, city lights. We're going to be on a backcountry road. And he said, I'll show it to you. So we get out of the car, and before he can show it to me, I look up. And I looked at him, I went, you have more stars than we do. I was joking. He goes, actually, we do. You know, the Milky Way is like, Oh, I did that symbol. The, the Milky Way is here. And, and our solar system is not dead center. It's like about two-thirds over. And because our Earth is at a 23-degree angle, we and the northern hemisphere are looking down one-third of it. And in the southern, they're looking down two-thirds of it. If you think of the starriest night you've ever seen, superimposed over top of the starriest night you've ever seen. I was awed by how many stars were. there. Were, it was a clear night. And there were two fuzzy spots. And I said, what are those? And he said, those are star clusters. There's so many stars, and they're, they're so close together, probably a, several trillion miles away from each other. They're, they're, they're so close together that their light just goes together, and they show up as a fuzzy spot. And we think of going across the universe. Uh, have you ever done this? Uh, i got to go to the next room. This lady, her and her husband were, were watching television, and she left her phone in the kitchen, and she heard it ring, so uh, she got a text, so she went to the kitchen to pick it up, and it was from her husband. He said, when you come back, will you bring more chips? <laughs> I thought, I think we're on to something here. <laughs> Texting has just become essential. I, that's a, what, my wife probably wish I never saw that. But, I mean, did you ever just say it? I didn't even want to get out of the chair. Why? Because I have to walk all the way across the room. It was back before they had remotes. You know when remote control for your TV was like a big deal? These two guys were at work, and one guy said, Hey, did you hear about Bill? He got a remote control for his TV. And the other guy said, That would be the day I'm too lazy to tell my wife or daughter to get over there and change the station. <laughs> but, I mean, did you ever just say, Oh, man, i got to go all the way over there. You know what God says? It's all within this. The reason I'm saying that is because sometimes you need to kind of think how he thinks so that you understand he doesn't think how you think. 
And he is not, he is not taken back by time and he is not, he is not hindered by distance because a, a thousand years is a day. And the entire universe, the entire solar system is this to him. Go to Psalm 39. I've just got 94 more of these and I'll be done. Psalm 39. Now this is very, <clears throat> actually kind of bad news. Look at verse 5. Behold, thou hast made my days as in handbreadth. There you go. And my age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. So what have you accomplished? Uh, what have you accomplished? I, I, I knew a guy in D.C. area, and he built high steel. He built skyscrapers. And he built bridges. And, and he would tell me about a building that he built. I saw one one time. It was a cartoon. And you, the guy's standing at the edge of a hole. You know how you dig the foundation? And I mean, you can see it goes way down there. And he says, tell him to stop. I had the blueprints upside down. But um, th this guy would build skyscrapers. He built bridges. And he's dead. He's dead. He's gone. Been gone for a year. And guys, I mean, really, you know, you guys that build houses, I built houses when I was in Bible college, and when I got, when, when Kathy and I got married, we'd go through neighborhoods and said, we built those houses. I painted that house. You feel like you did something, you know? And can you imagine building a skyscraper, building a bridge, and God says, oh, that's vanity. Guys, I am sorry, but you know God is not, I, I bet he just does not get intrigued with the antler count. Now you ladies went, you just did this your husband. He doesn't get, he doesn't get too pushed around by um, how many grandchildren you got either. I mean, if you did everything you could, you know what God says? It's nothing. It's like blowing a dandelion into the wind. It's nothing. Now I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you, you know, don't try something. But when you get done with it, just remember that it's Nothing. That at our best state, it's altogether vanity. You're seeing it a lot. It will pass here shortly. But you see these, oh, no, no, they're like 90-year-old, 100-year-old guys. I mean, they barely, they, some of them, I saw this one picture. There's two guys sitting in wheelchairs on a flight line at Air Force Base. And you could tell they're old men with their old baseball hats on. And it said they were two Air Force vets from World War II. They just want to be on the flight line again together. And you see these guys, these 90 and 100 year old guys, and they got their world, boy, you see a guy with a World War II veteran. That's something. The Koreans are, my goodness, uh, the Korean War, the, the, the Vietnam War, they're in their 70s, right? 80s. And you see this guy, I, I saw this one, I mean, this guy looks like he couldn't get out of bed. And he was on D Day landing. And he just wants to wear hats, but the only thing he can do to let you know, I actually did something once. But it's all vanity. I, um, we were walking in Death Valley. I, I know that sounds like an awful place. We love it. We do. It's a beautiful place. Uh, uh, great place to leave your mother-in-law. <clears throat> but uh, coming into the valley are swales where, where the water has, has just cut through the rock. And be, you'll be 20 feet 
below the surface of the rock, and it's all polished, and, and, and we would go, uh, Kathy and I would walk back here a couple miles. We like it. And then there was one place where we're coming through a little narrow place, and then it widened out to maybe 20 feet, maybe 30 feet. And here's this doofus. And I look over, and there's a bunch of rock piles. You know, those carns they built because they're imbeciles. You say, yeah, you build them. Okay. Anyway, and so he's, he's got, like, a, there's about a dozen. And I look over, and he goes, I built these. And I went, why? Doesn't look natural. When we came back through, never mind. Anyway, um, <laughs> they weren't there when we, uh, when we left that day. <laughs> well, think about it. Could you imagine, could you imagine uh, you work that hard? And it's nothing. It's all vanity. Guys, when I think that when I give it everything I have got, and I succeed at everything, I didn't say I will, but I said if I could succeed at everything I attempted, at the end of the day I go, well, that's a puff of smoke. <laughs> that's, a, that's a wind. That's a blink of an eye. I mean, you know, you, know, you, you need to think about that. I don't mean this bad, but some of you actually think you can do something. And the fact is, you know, guys win a, a, a heavyweight belt or they win a trophy or they get something and they go, look what I did. Your best is absolute vanity. You say, what is it? It's a, just a difference in values. Two more. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. And look at verse 26. But Jesus beheld them and said to them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Man, does that, does that ever put us in a bad light? Uh, I told you, really, this is the distance I could run without hyperventilating. But there are guys that run, well, um, Brother, uh, Brother Smoker was here running some kind of a hundred miles, something marathon and guys are in the, the marathon is like just under 26 miles that's the standard the standard distance and man if I if I was going to run 26 miles have an ambulance park 50 feet away from the starting gate <laughs> that's where I'll drop but if you could run 26 miles that would be something and could you imagine going to him and say God I ran I ran a marathon he says okay you want to run with me yeah okay Let's try, we'll do it on the water. Nobody can run on water. God says, oh, you can't? I do it all the time. Walk on all the time. Guys, the things that are impossible with us, God can do. And they're simple. So simple that he can bring dead to life. I mean, you know what you got to remember? Because we're looking at, we're watching a nation disintegrate, are we not? We're watching our lives. We're watching our society. We're watching everything that we've been raised with. We're watching it just absolutely fall apart. Did you ever do this? Did you ever take a, like a sugar cube and, and just put it in water and then just watch it? Nothing touches it, but it just starts disintegrating. And that's how I feel like every time I look at the news, uh, I'm watching it just crumble some more and disintegrate some more. I think, who can save it? And you know what God says? Why would we bother? Well, this is the greatest nation on the earth. <laughs> Vanity. 
It's all vanity. And God can change anything anytime he wants. Isn't that true? You know, I got to tell you something. I've been getting blessed. Um, it's, not, it's not old age. But did you ever lose things? Yeah, I lose things. Um, one time I lost Kathy, the car, the house. <clears throat> but you know what I do? If it's in the house. Now look, if it's in the house, it's not lost. I just don't know where it is. Right? And yeah, I'd lost something a couple weeks ago. And I hadn't, I hadn't gotten distressed about it. Because um, I knew it was still in the house. And so yesterday... I decided to talk to him about it. And I said, because uh, here's how I, here's how I t- tell him about when I lose something. I said, God, you know where it is. No, I don't mean, I, he know, I said, and you can have me find it anytime you want. So I'm just letting you know I'm not worried about it. But I, it would be nice to find it. And I opened up a drawer and there were my socks. I've been asking Kathy for 49 years, where are my socks? Anyway, no, I'm serious. There's what I lost. It'd be, I could have found it two weeks ago, but I, I, I'm with him on this, okay? Nothing important, and he can find it anytime he wants. And it wasn't, I wasn't wringing my hands. I just said, God, I'll get around to asking you about it. And after about two weeks, I decided I wanted it, and I said, uh, well, there's the gun. But anyway, um, but really... And that's, guys, you lose something. Don't get upset about it. He knows where it's at. And I have had him find stuff for me. No, he didn't find it. He points the idiot to where it's been all the time. And, it's, and that's not a tough one. But my goodness, people, we have got a God, do we not? We have got a God. He can walk on water. He can flood the entire earth. He can raise the dead. He can heal the sick. We can't do any of that. And you say, oh, we do a pretty good job of healing. Haven't been doing lately. And with, with what is impossible with us, is possible with God. You know why? Because some of you might be facing something that looks impossible. You know, I, uh, they, did a, they did a thing on my neck a while back. Uh, had some problems and they said, uh, the test came back. The original break was between C6 and C7. And, and uh, the neurosurgeon said, you have a tumor between C6 and 7. Now, you know when the space is only about that big, it won't take long for it to get too big. So I wanted a second opinion. <clears throat> and so uh, I had another guy look at the stuff, and he goes, yep. He said, uh, it's not only um, uh, a tumor, but it's growing. Well, most of them do. And so um, I tapped into a power source called prayer. And I just, now look, I'm ready to go, okay? But I said, um, I just asked people to pray for me. And I had another one scheduled, I think, for six weeks later uh, uh, because now they're going to have to do something with it. And it came back six weeks later, and, and a doctor looked at it and said, oh, it's just scar tissue. I will take scar tissue. You say, well, you think that's what it was first? I don't know. Two guys didn't think it was. So well, what do you think happened? I think I have a God that nothing's impossible with. There's people in this room. Man, brother, I just am awed every time I see you sit there. Our pastor is here. You know why? 
Because with God, all things are possible. I don't mean, I mean God has kept him alive through leukemia and God has kept him alive through COVID. Yesterday, I heard a preacher that I preached for died. Got one in the hospital right now, last week. One of my young people, this is terrible. You know how you're old? When your youth department is 55. (laughs) And one of my young people died a a week ago. And you say, well, what are we going to do about this? We don't have to do about anything. We don't have to do anything about it. You know why? Because with our God, all things are possible. And if you really believe all things are possible, see, it's not that you doubt his possibility. See, I always tell God, I said, God, I know you can do this. My question is, do you want to? <laughs> right? That's our problem. It's not that you doubt his ability. You doubt his interest in the same subject that you have. You doubt that it's as important to him as it is you. That's why you pray. Hey. But he can do it. And you know what I know? If he doesn't do nothing, I still know he could. He didn't have to do nothing for me. I still know he could have. He'd been very kind, very gracious, because with him, nothing is impossible. One last. Go to John chapter 11. This is the chapter you are familiar with, where it says the one that, that Jesus loved, Lazarus. Lazarus was sick. Look at verse 3. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And before the Lord gets there, and by the way, he was only 15 miles away. Wouldn't it take much to get there? You say, well, why didn't he go right away? Why doesn't he ever move when we tell him to? Right? Because if he moved ever soon as we tell him to, we might not see the miraculous. And so word comes back that Lazarus is dead. But look at verse 11. These things saith he, and after that, uh, he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may, may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of, th- of taking a rest, of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them, Plainly, Lazarus is dead. Have you ever tried to explain something to somebody and just couldn't get it? Well, guys, we, 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 go, uh, we go, Lazarus is sleeping. I got to go wake him up. Oh, well, Lord, if he's sleeping, he's going to be all right. Look, I got to spend eternity with 11 of these guys. So I try to watch myself, but sometimes when I read the Gospels, I, I want to call it Jesus and the 12 Stooges. And he, he says, oh, yeah, come on, guys, I'm going to go wake Lazarus up. Well, Lord, if he's, if, he's, if, he's, if he's sleeping, he's going to wake up, he's going to be fine. Lazarus is dead. Oh, that kind of sleep. I'll bet you everybody here, we buried somebody we loved. I'm talking about somebody who was saved, but we buried somebody we loved. We buried family members, we buried friends. We have buried people that we work with. I mean, every one of us have put some saved person who put their faith in Jesus Christ. We have put them in the ground, have we not? And you know, I don't understand why people say, well, you shouldn't grieve because they're in heaven. Are you sad that they're in heaven? Look, I'm not sad. Well, kind of. I mean, you know, I had a good friend die not long ago. I got to live as long as I can now because he's up there getting his side of the story in first. (laughs) When I die, I'm going to walk in and he's going to say, oh, yeah, Gip, I've heard about you. We grieve because we lose somebody. We grieve because we won't see them. We, won't, we can't call them. 
That's why we grieve. And you know what, God? I mean, what is bigger than death? God is bigger than death. But, but death stops us all, does it not? You know, I, uh, I explain it this way. You get these people, and they don't like God. I talked to a guy, he says, an atheist one time. I talked to a physicist, you know, and he believed in evolution. And, and I told this, this physicist, I said, um, I said, Doc, I said, you know what the difference between you and I? I said, there's only one thing different between what you and I believe. Now, the thing is, we didn't believe anything. I mean, we weren't on the same page on anything, except we were both in the same room, and if he studied Descartes, he wasn't sure of that. And um, I said, Doc, you know there's only one difference between what you and I believe? And he went, one? I said, yeah, just one. He goes, what? I said, five seconds after you die, you can believe everything I just told you. Isn't that true? Do you know that, um, what, her, what her name was, Madeline Murray O'Hare, that, that, that sabotaged our school system with atheism? Do you understand that five seconds after she died, she's a King James Bible believer? I'll bet you she was. I'll bet she believed, listen, I'll bet she was more convinced that Jesus Christ was God than you are right now. Isn't that true? But us, you know, we all head for the long home, and we're going to die one of these days. And we think, oh, man, we can't lose them. We've all lost people we thought we couldn't lose. But isn't it nice to know that my God says, I can bring them up. He's going to raise them all. Boom, just like that. Isn't that true? You know what you did when you got saved? You know, I was, uh, I was uh, we were somewhere, Kathy, we were somewhere out west. And I can't remember where it was now. I was sober, I just can't remember. Uh, it was a national park or something, and, and we were standing, we, we, we were leaving, and we were at a lookout, you know, where you pull off the side of the road and just have a beautiful, scenic view, and we're there, and this, this guy pulls in, and he, he's like a leftover from the 60s, hair down to his shoulders, seedy looking, none of his clothes matched. He's probably a contemporary pastor. Anyway, um, uh, and he's standing there, and I'm serious, man, he just smoked his breakfast or something. He goes... He goes, man, is this beautiful, isn't it? I said, yeah. He says, I'm headed for it. He was headed where we were, whatever, wherever we'd just been. He's gone there. I said, we just came from there. He goes, really? He said, I'll bet you really got some good energy, didn't you? I said, yeah. But I said, oh, man. He said, I said, I tapped into some energy that is even better than that years ago. You did. You know when I tell guys like that, they think, ooh, I want to smoke what you're smoking. <laughs> He goes, you tapped into better energy than that. I said, yeah, and I told him about Jesus Christ. Guys, do you know what happened when we got saved? The dirt ball tapped into eternity. (laughs) The walking, talking piece of mud became one and the same with the creator of the universe. You got into the one. I didn't say you got just related. Are we not in him? Are we not seated with him in heavenly places? And we got into the one that sees a thousand years like a day. We got into the one that thinks that our universe is just this. We got into the one that looks at every earthly accomplishment on this, on this planet and goes, nothing. It's nothing. Could you imagine going out in the woods and you build a lean-to and think, boy, look what I got. Look what I got. Man, this guy living five-bedroom five houses, six-bedroom houses. It's nothing. And so all is vanity. We got into the one that nothing is impossible with him, even 
your forgiveness. Isn't that true? I don't know if you've ever been with a winner, but you got with a winner. When you trusted Christ, you got with a winner. You know, we're talking about Thanksgiving coming. You say, what do you think I ought to be thankful for? You ought to be thankful for that decision you made to trust Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. Because I don't know if you ever made bad decisions. You ever go to a restaurant and choose the only thing on the menu that died in vain? I mean, I've had, some, I've had some steaks make me want to be a vegetarian. But we, when we got saved, I don't, I don't know if you make the wrong decision. I say it. You ever get in line to, to pay the toll and you get, you, know, you get like socked in by three semis and the guy in front of you is paying with pennies and he goes, oops. Or ladies, ladies, I've said this before, ladies, I'll tell you how you can buckle the knees of the strongest man on the planet. Any, I don't care who he is. I don't care if he's heavyweight champ. If he's behind you at the line at Walmart, pull out your change purse. I, I watch my wife do that. It weakens my knees. Oh, oh, oh wait, wait, no, no, that's a wheat penny. I, I'm, I'm saving these for my grandchildren. When I'm behind a lady like that, I just want to throw a 50 down and go, here, take it, keep the change, get her in the parking lot. You say, why? Back to the first point. I'm in time. I'm dying. I don't want to do it in the Walmart line. Yep, I picked the wrong meal. I picked the wrong line at the, at the toll booth. I picked the wrong line at Walmart. I picked the right Savior. I picked the right God. Man, I got the right book. I don't know how, you know, some of you regretted your marriage choice. But you don't have to, you don't have to ever regret your choice to trust Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. You picked the right Savior, did you not? And you are, you are part of the God that authored this book. You are part of the God that if it should happen that one by one we die before he gets back, he is going to call your name and you are coming up. Isn't that true? And maybe that won't even happen. Maybe he'll just sound a trumpet and come and pick us all up. We're going to be, I like to say it this way, we're going to be airlifted out. So go back and look at some of the decisions you made, some of the things you thought were important, some of the stuff that's hanging on your walls that you think are, really mean something. Go look at your ribbons and your medals and, and the stuff that impressed you. And remember, this God, it doesn't even mean anything. Go, go back and say, boy, I never thought that day would come, and now that day is 20 years behind me. And remember that we just don't have the same standards. We don't have the same, we don't have the same system by which to measure things that this God does. But he values one thing. He values your soul. Enough to let his only begotten son die on the cross for it. Guys, you are not worth what was paid for you. If you ever buy something and say, man, this was not worth the money I paid. We were not worth what he paid for us. God, when God saved me, he did not get a good deal. Do you understand that? But I won on all points. And if you would be thankful about something this week, get on your knees and say, thanks for hearing, let me hear this gospel. And thanks for going to the cross because you know what I've done. And you still went. And thanks for when I asked you to, you saved me. Isn't it good to be saved? 
I'm sorry about the price of gas. I'm sorry about the price of food. I'm sorry about all the problems. I'm sorry about everything that's gone down in the country. I'm sorry about the friend that died. I'm sorry about it all. But you, need to know, you know what you need to remember? It was a good idea to get saved. And when you got saved, you should, don't ever let the circumstances outside this building distract you from the fact that you are saved. Now, if you're here this morning, you are not saved. You are in the best place you could be today. Because if you're not saved, you know, I, I tell people, it's not a shame to come into church lost. But it's sure a shame to leave that way. You know, I made an amazing transformation one day. I walked into a church on my way to hell. I walked out of that church on my way to heaven. I walked, and listen, you know what a transformation was? I got on my knees at an altar, according to John chapter, <clears throat> according, to John, <clears throat> according to John chapter 8, verse 44. I got on my knees, the son of the devil. I got off my knees, according to John chapter 1, verse 12. I got on my knees, child of the devil. I got off my knees, the son of God. Say, so how does that work? This God. Give up on religion, not the statue, not the metal, not the burning candle, not your good works. None of it does anything. It's all worthless. Do you understand? You say, why? Because our best is vanity. But he went to a cross and it outweighed everything you ever did. And it paid for every sin you ever committed. And I know you're going to go eat now and you're going to get ready for Thanksgiving. <clears throat> And, and look, guys, if you walk around your house, you ought to be glad for your house and your car, your good health, etc. I know that. But you know what you really need to do? Sometimes get along with God and get on your knees and say, just thank you that I am saved. I'll tell you this, and I'll be done. I got saved 51 years ago. And, and uh, sometimes, sometimes I go back to the day I got saved, and I thank God that I'm saved. You know what I do when I do that? I go back to the day that I got saved and I look at the 20 years before it when I was on my way to hell and I thank God that I'm saved. But sometimes I don't thank God that I'm saved. Sometimes I thank God that I'm still saved. You know what I do when I do that? I get the same day, the day I got saved. But instead of looking at the 20 years behind me, I look at the 50 some years since I got saved and I think, boy, if he was in the salvation revoking business, he'd have taken mine a long time ago. So sometimes I thank him that I'm saved. Sometimes I thank him that I'm still saved. Can't you thank him for anything? I'd like you to stand with your heads bowed. Guys, you have a laundry list of things you could thank him for. If you walked in here under your own power, you ought to thank him for that. If you can think clearly, you ought to thank him for that. If you've got a reasonable amount of health, you ought to thank him for that. If you, if you laughed one time this week, you ought to thank him for that because I want you to know nobody laughed in hell this week. But if you're saved, maybe you ought to come down and just say, God, thank you that I'm saved. Or maybe you ought to say, God, thank you that I'm still saved. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for not being anything like us. Thank you, God, for your standards and ours being so radically different. We are walking, talking pieces of dirt and you are infinite. We are dying as I speak. Every person in this room will leave this building today closer to a hole in the ground than they were when they walked in it. But not you. You are life, and you are holy, and you are good, and you, are, you can do anything, and there is so much. There's so many people, they, they think they can do anything they set their mind to, and they cannot. But you can. 
God, I pray that these people will appreciate the fact that they're saved or that they're still saved. And God, if there's anybody here this morning who hasn't trusted the death, burial, and resurrection of your only begotten son yet as the full and complete payment for their sin, they could walk in here lost and walk out of here saved today. Wouldn't that be good? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, as a piano plays, if you need to come and talk to the Lord, maybe you just need to say, Lord, thank you that I'm saved. Or maybe you ought to look at what you've been since you've been saved and all the times that he could have revoked your salvation if he was in that business and maybe you need to say, God, thank you that I'm still saved. then he'll give you eternal life on the basis of free grace. It won't be about joining a church or becoming a better person. None of that. It'll just be strictly by his grace and his mercy. Now, we have an invitation. You've seen people come forward and pray. I'm knowing those people. It 
was people that are saved. I just wanted to come and thank the Lord. And you can do that in your seat. And you can get saved in your seat. You can get saved standing there right now singing this song. Amen, Christians? Okay. But we do have the invitation for a reason. The reason is this, is a lot of times you might have a question you need answered. Or you might want to just really nail it down so that later on you're not doubting it. That's really why we have an invitation. But truth be known, you can get saved coming up here and letting somebody work with you and have a word of prayer with you and answer any questions. Or you can get saved right where you're at right now. But either way, like Brother Gibbs said, you might have come in here lost. There's no shame in that. All of us here that are saved today came into a church lost. But what you don't want to do is leave lost. Because you don't have to. And believe me, you don't want to. Because we don't know. We really don't know. People think, well, I got 10 more years to live or 20 or 50 or whatever. You honestly don't know if you have the next hour really don't. Things happen. So the Bible tells us that that today's the day. Now is the accepted time. So take this opportunity. If you've got questions or you want to pray with somebody or just nail it down that way, just come during the remainder of this song. There'll be somebody here to help you out. But like I said, we all know you can get saved right there too. Either way, Just ask Christ to be your Savior. He died for you. He was buried. And he rose again. And he's a living Savior. Sing verse number four, if you will. In mansions of glory and endless Thank you, Dr. Gibb.